Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, NLP trainer and change agent here, and you're listening to episode 89 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast designed to support entrepreneurial couples, people in business partnership, and anyone looking for more tips, tools, and strategies to add to the quality of your life. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 89 is entitled Disagreements in Relationship Part 1. Um, I thought that I'd do an episode on this because one of the things that consistently does not seem to be modeled very well or given enough um, importance in family systems is the ability to disagree effectively, is the ability to have a healthy argument um, and work through those seemingly unresolved differences that carry across the course of a relationship, Um, in particular Um, our intimate relationships. It tends to be that sometimes we're attracted to people who are very much um, in some ways our opposite and then the things that draw us in and fascinate us become the very things that drive us mad later down the track. So um, it's worthwhile knowing uh, and having some ideas around uh, well how how do we approach these potentially fundamental differences within um, relationships so that we can have healthy and harmonious relationships. And um, I think there's a couple of assumptions that we need to kind of begin with. The first one is that um, people can be quite different and provide providing that they um, are able to see the upside of their partner's differences to to cherish and respect their partner and the relationship that the two of you have chosen to have, then these can be very strong foundational pieces to how specifically a relationship survives. And then also how, how do we, how do we approach our differences? How do we approach our differences in behavioral choices? How do we uh, approach our differences in prioritization in life? Um, And the different, you know, the, the ways in which or the things that I value in a way that my partner values very, very differently. And when we're trying to come together under the umbrella of our relationship, how do we manage and respect and approach those differences in the most optimal way? Um, And it's important to understand that absolutely a a healthy relationship is not a conflict-free relationship, is not a friction-free relationship that, you know, um, healthy couples disagree. Healthy couples have friction. Healthy couples have frustration with one another from time to time. But again, it's approached from a often from a place where we never lose respect for our partner. We never lose the idea of the sacredness and the you know we're committed to our relationship. And then also we're fighting fair. We're not doing or saying things that we can't come back from. Um, and striking low blows. Um, we, we have a degree of moderacy and containment in, in how emotional and how worked up we get. 
Um, and there's an ability to own our side of things too and, and to realize that we're not infallible, that we can make mistakes, um, that we can operate from places where we don't have the full picture of things um, or places where we're triggered, you know, by, by past events. Um, and so people who can bring a degree of self-awareness and self-ownership to both what works in relationship and the moments where the relationship isn't going so well, here's how I'm an idiot um, in, in this particular situation, um, that can be really, really helpful and that we, we can approach things with a sense of humor, that we can approach our conflict with an idea of, you know, how do you and I review and get better at, at arguing? Um, you know, the, these are some really fundamental skills. And like, like I think um, John Gottman, the preeminent uh, relationship specialist, talks about, it's not so much what couples fight about that brings them down over time, it's how they fight. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to say about this particular area, but the, in this particular area, what I wanted to look at was um, the fundamental differences that never really go away. Um, uh, because it is very possible to have a very, very healthy relationship, and yet certain problems um, or challenges that existed almost from day one um, right throughout the course and length of the relationship never get totally resolved. And it's, we can, provided we're finding a platform or com com comfortable, I don't know why that was so challenging for that word to come out. Um, maybe it's because uh, that's not quite the right wording. Maybe what we're talking about is a platform in some instances the least unbearable option for you and I, the least uncomfortable version for you and I um, in certain areas is about as best as we can kind of get. And as long as it's workable enough, that's going to be enough. Um, because when we're dealing with fundamental deep-seated differences between two people, um, the idea of coming to absolute compromise to absolute conformity is an impossibility. And like I said, it's also not necessary to have a ha happy and healthy relationship. You know, if, if one of us is way more extroverted than the other and really likes to get out and, you know, really gets a lot of charge from social exchange, finds social exchange very easy and very effortless. And even though my partner, who's a lot more introverted, certainly can get out and do the social stuff, but finds that they get drained, they need to step away and, and process or recharge um, far more readily than I do, then then those are things that overlap into, um, you know, we're talking about fundamental differences that have a biological implication. We're talking about, you know, when people talk about personality and character and these kinds of things, there's elements of this that is, you know, are way beyond our conscious control. Um, and you can see this sometimes, even the other day I was walking down the street and I was um, noticing uh, a lady pushing one of those double prams. So there were two, as far as I could tell, um, uh, twins uh, sitting in, in, the, um, in the baby carriage. Um, and you could already tell, I would imagine they would be probably around about a year old, maybe a little less. Um, but one of the two twins was looking around uh, every which way, fascinated by the, uh, the external world. And the other twin just seemed to be, and I'm making stuff up here, but seemed to be, you know, a lot more stationary, really didn't pay 
any attention to the external world so much, even when I walked past the more um, externally focused child watched me to the point of swinging around and staring behind to see where I was going. And the other child paid me absolutely no mind. So, you know, already they're showing differences of attention, or at least in that moment, they had very different aspects of attention because it also, you know, that's the other thing. Sometimes we can be way more focused and fixated on the external world and sometimes we're we're deeply internal in our thoughts. So these things can vary. Um, but people tend to have a proclivity um, that is not within conscious control or conscious construct. So whilst we can do something about it, to be able to kind of change it radically without really significant pressure, force and will is going to be is going to be very, very difficult and certainly very difficult to sustain in any fundamentally, um, uh, you know, any fundamental way that doesn't require significant constant review and constant effort. And I question how possible that that is um, uh, over time. I'm not saying it isn't, but but there's a fair old effort there. Um, so, you know, and perhaps another example of this is, is you know, we're in a relationship where one of us is way more orderly than the other, you know, so that one of us can, has a threshold of, you know, can, cupboard doors can be open in the house and piles of washing can be left around the joint and the bed unmade and, you know, the leaves not raked up. And if the two of us have a very different level of tolerance around orderliness, then one of us is going to hit the threshold way before the other and want to kind of, hey, we've got to we've got to tighten things up here. We've got to straighten the house up while the other person has not even remotely reached their threshold. So there can be certain areas um, where, you know, due to our, you know, differences beyond kind of our conscious awareness, um, we, we, we are, we're going to be forced into a place of finding a, a workable compromise because that's about the best that we can kind of get. Um, let's say in terms of, you know, I remember in a previous relationship, um, I'm, I, uh, I, I need my downtime. I need my away time and alone time after a certain, I love interacting with people. Absolutely. Um, but I certainly need some time away to process and think and, and, and just put my feet up and recharge. Um, and as much as I enjoy social interactions, I do find them, um, even the wonderful ones, um, to a degree draining or, or if it's been a really thought provoking exchange, um, very grateful I did it, but I'll need time away just to kind of think on, on what kind of, what kind of happened. Um, and in a previous relationship, you know, being with someone who was, um, very energized by social interaction could could engage in lots of activity back to back and find that in no way, shape or form did that drain them. They, they actually felt quite rejuvenated and recharged, um, that we had to work out compromises right down to even how we did holidays so that, you know, if there was a extended holiday to go on, um, as a couple, then, um, the arrangement would be that the first half of the holiday would involve bringing more people along you know, be that extra friends and family. And it would kind of be a group holiday um, full of lots of activity and lots of kind of um, social chit chat and, and large groups, you know, whining and dining together. Um, and the compromise for me 
because I, I like a, 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 you know, my ideal holiday would be something where I went away on my own or, you know, with one other person, um, uh, you know, or at very least a very small group of people that I knew very, very well that, that really didn't take too much effort to be around. That would be my kind of ideal. So even on the days when we went away with people, you know, with larger groups of people, um, it, it was uh, agreed upon that it would be okay for me to disappear for an hour or two to a local cafe and sit on my own and listen to a podcast or read a book or, you know, just wander along the beach or whatever. And then I would be expected to come back and, you know, be a functional and contributive member to the group, which was fine. I was quite happy to do that. You know, that's, that's not, there wasn't any kind of resentment in that. It's just that, you know, all day long around large groups of people just, you know, wore me out and I needed to kind of withdraw temporarily just to get my bearings and, and recharge. Um, and so the first parts of our holidays were generally with a larger group of people and then the compromise was the back end would be um, just with ourselves. You know, everybody would leave and, and, and then we'd, we'd have a bit of quiet time to us. So, you know, there's certain ways to work out compromises. So the key thing is that with these fundamental differences um, in in couples that we're able to identify them we're able to see what the value of of you know there's a reason we, we we don't want to be exactly the same if we're dating that would be terribly boring I think you know so that, so there what's the strength of our differences what's the value that my partner's differences bring to our relationship um, and then you know how do we find a workable enough compromise and it's also you know this can be a, um, a bit of a protracted, complex dynamic to work out. So, you know, as long as you're prepared to keep talking about it, testing out different approaches, and you're not setting yourself up falsely for failure by, by saying, okay, well, within two weeks, we need to work out, we need to get this worked out. Um, if the intention is to prioritize our relationship and honor it, um, then we're also prepared that this might take six months, this might take 12 months, it might take two years. You know, you know we're not, we're not, we're not putting it. Our intent is to get a workable enough arrangement between the two of us on these points of difference so that we're both not unhappy. Um, and, but why, why, and, and the part I am happy for is I'm, I'm happy to sacrifice to the and willingly sacrifice and compromise to the relationship. And that's the other thing. If we're, I'm not compromising to my partner, I'm not sacrificing to my partner, but you know, what, what's, you know, it's the level above that. It's the, you know, there's the umbrella of the relationship for which it contains two people. Um, and it's to the relationship and the idea of the relationship that I'm actually making this sacrifice. Cause that's what I've chosen to nominate as a key and very important area in my life. So I'm not, I'm not compromising to my partner as such. I mean, I am, but I'm compromising actually to the relationship. Um, I'm coming from a platform of where I want to work it out for the health of the relationship, because then what that automatically does is it, it includes me. I will be, you know, I will make the willing sacrifice for that, but I'll also be um, the willing recipient of the benefits of, you know, putting the relationship, uh, giving the relationship priority and being willing to compromise and negotiate and be flexible on my side for the relationship. Because sometimes if we go to the level below the relationship, which is myself and my partner, 
um, and I'm I feel like I'm sacrificing for my partner or I'm compromising for my partner. Um, that may be okay, or that may bring some resentment up in me. But if we move a level up to the idea of the relationship itself, then it tends to be that people find it easier um, because I'm not giving in to a person. I am compromising to a relationship, to to an ideal about you know, and I'm prioritizing the relationship and doing my part in seeing that it grows and flourishes as much as it possibly can. So it's recognizing, like I said, just in quick review, um, a happy relationship is not a conflict-free relationship. It's not a differences-free relationship and that some differences run very deep. And the best we can do is work out a good enough compromise um, that we are settling, but we are doing that willingly for the relationship. You know, I, the relationship is important enough to me that I'm I'm happy to have these discussions. And we also aren't rushing to find a solution. As long as we're talking in healthy and respectful manners, and we'll do a look a little bit at that in the next episode, then, hey, it's okay. I'm happy to do this. I'm, I'm you know, um, and we're taking our time. And like I said, and, and we're, we're seeing in the differences between ourselves and our partner, we're seeing the full picture of that. You know, um, I'm seeing the benefits that the differences between me and my partner, what, what are the benefits that those differences bring? And okay, yes, what are some of the challenges? But that's looking at the whole picture rather than just overly fixating on the downside. And and then we're, you know, we're not going to come up with a solution because we're only looking at half, half the prop, you know, half the, you know, we're only looking um, in a two-dimensional rather than a three three-dimensional way. So we haven't. We're not. Our, our our attention is not complete. Our, our attention is not holistic enough. If all we can see is the downside of the differences, um, but there are there are upsides too. Um, so I I hope this is um, given you something to think about. Um, and um, as always, I really enjoy. Um, sharing some of these ideas um, that I come across on my travels. There's so many amazing contributors to the field of knowledge and uh, I enjoy um, cherry picking the things that I think are significant and, and helpful and putting them into this, you know, this kind of podcast format. So as always, um, you know, as I sign off, I'd just like to say thank you. Um, and if you've been listening to the show right the way through or for some period of time, my profoundest gratitude to you. If you're just joining the show, welcome. I'm really delighted that you're taking some time out. You know, time is so precious. So if you're taking some time to listen to the episodes, um, you know, thank you uh, for that. If you want to continue to support the show, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. It makes it easier for others to find. Um, I'm the program's also Sean Healy Tools is also available on Stitcher and Podbean and at the website emergencetraining.com.au. So please um, come by the website, visit. Um, we've got plenty of material there um, that you can utilize. And also, if there's any episodes that you've got an interest in that you think might be of value, um, you know, by all means, um, suggest a topic. Very grateful when people do that. And if I feel I know enough about it, um, I'll, uh, well, 
uh, or I know something about it. I don't know enough about it, but I know something about it. Then I'll be happy to, to see what I can kind of put forward. Um, but as always, thank you everyone from wherever you are uh, on our, in our, uh, on our magnificent planet. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really um, do um, appreciate it. And uh, until next time we're together. Bye for now.